everybody. Welcome back to your favorite college football podcast, the CFB 365 podcast. Week four is officially in the books. It was a, a fun weekend. If you're just a college football fan, if you're a top 25 team, probably not the best weekend for you. It was a, it was a weekend of great games, upset uh, potential all over the place. We did have a few upsets happen, uh, but uh, today we are joined by uh, one of our co-hosts, Anthony Hazanu. We didn't have on the podcast here for a few weeks as he's busy with med school. I'm, of course, still in Cal Crowley. Uh, I'm here every week, as you know, if you're a uh, a list, if you're a, uh, a continuous listener to us. Uh, but Anthony, it's been a long time since the people have heard your voice. Uh, how have you been since we last heard from you? And what what are your thoughts on this week for of college football? Been busy, but I'm happy to be back here talking to you guys about college football, talking with you, Dylan. Obviously, we always have a good time when we do these. We both enjoy talking about football because we both love it so much. Um, Last weekend was crazy. I mean, we'll get into some of the games in a little bit, but there were some really fun games this past weekend and uh, a lot of uh, changing, a lot of action going on in the top 25. Really excited to get into it and uh, talk about it. So let's just let's just get into it, man. Absolutely. There's plenty to talk about. We're going to actually start off with first a general feeling about the season in my mind. And that this season already, uh, four weeks in, is not to the same degree, but starting to remind me of the 2007 and maybe even 2011 seasons where chaos ruled in college football. There was a lot of upsets each week. You really didn't know what was going to happen, who was going to lose, who was going to win. And it, it led to an exciting season over the last five, six, seven years in college football, really the whole college football playoff era of college football. It's gotten kind of stale in terms of it's been the same teams every year competing to get to the playoffs, get into the national championship game. And to a point that remains here this season. But I mean, as we're going to get into it, Clemson is, is not going to make the playoffs this year. It looks like unless they really go on a, incredible run over the last 10 weeks of the regular season and beat everybody by 40 to 50 points. Oklahoma looks mortal. Ohio State looks mortal. The only two teams right now that really are head and shoulders above everybody else, Anthony, through four weeks is Alabama and Georgia. Outside of that, I, I think you can make an argument for numerous teams to be uh, the third and fourth teams in the country. And I, I feel like really right now – Outside of Alabama and Georgia, I, I could not sit down right now and tell you for sure who I thought would be who will be making the playoffs uh, come December. It, it, it's a great season for college football. College football needed this so much. It's healthy for the sport, uh, and I'm just enjoying this season. Uh, I just want to get that out of the way first. Any, any thoughts on any of that in general? No, I 110% agree with you. I was literally just thinking that like on Saturday. like This is the first year – probably since like 20 probably since the playoffs started in 2014 that we really don't know who's gonna make it you know obviously we have an idea that bama is probably going to be there at the end of the day georgia's looking really strong right now as long as they went out they're going to be in but with clemson gone ohio state looks mortal they're not a lock right now to win the big 10 as much as we think they're going to get there eventually they're not a lock by any means uh, oklahoma's looking a little shaky who knows if they're going to slip up once or twice you know, there's a bunch of teams from Oregon to Penn State to even like an Iowa that could potentially sneak into the playoff in some sort of weird situation that we haven't seen before. 
So it, it's kind of exciting. It absolutely is exciting for college football. It's exciting as a fan, no matter who you root for. And it's just going to be fun to watch these next few weeks um, play out because I really think we're not done with the chaos yet. I wholeheartedly agree. Let's get into some of that chaos that occurred on Saturday. And we'll start off with uh, what I briefly mentioned just a few minutes ago, and that's the Clemson Tigers losing their second game of the season on uh, Saturday to the North Carolina State Wolfpack by a final score of 27 uh, 21. Uh, it, it was a game where Clemson's offense really never got going, which has been a trend we've seen almost all season. Uh, DJ Uyangale has struggled for most of the season, uh, to say the least. I mean, for a guy who we all thought coming the season was a Heisman contender and a guy who would be able to continue the trends and Clemson of you know, of high caliber quarterback play, potential first of all picks. He's looked anything but that this season. And on Saturday, he, he, he was very I, below average, uh, to say the least. 12 for 26, 111 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. I mean, it, if the Tigers are going to turn anything around going forward, it's going to start with DJ Uwe Angelele. Um, but beyond that, this Clemson offense just can't move the ball at all. 23 carries for 103 yards against uh, NC State. Uh, as I said, 111 passing yards. They only had 214 total yards in this game, and that was after getting outgained last week by Georgia Tech, which also was coming off a really nice upset this week over North Carolina. But this Clemson offense has just been uh, just absolutely terrible this season, uh, and it's been it's baffling to say, to say the least because. We're just so used to Clemson being such a high-powered offense, and I know they lost a lot of people, but, I mean, you definitely expected better out of uh, DJ at this point of the season. He's He only has 586 passing yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions. Part of this is the offensive line, but, I mean, Clemson and, uh, is just – it's baffling, like I said. They're going to be above average to good for the remainder of the season because they have one of the best defenses in the country. But because of this offense, I mean, I, I don't think it's out of question that there may be an 8-4 and four team. I mean, I think there's a chance they lose to Boston College this weekend. Yeah, I have to agree that Clemson has just been the story of the season and not in a good way. I mean, that, that offense has just been terrible. I mean, DJ Uyangalele, we all had him on potential Heisman lists going into the season. We thought he was going to be the ACC Player of the Year. We had high hopes for him. He looked good last year when he played against Notre Dame and Boston College as a true freshman. We all thought he would take that next step and lead this Clemson team into its own era with him. And it just has not worked out so far. He's been really, really bad. And obviously Clemson's been bit by the injury bug a little bit. That defense is still solid, but man, they cannot get anything going on offense right now. And it's killing them big time. Um, I don't know like where Clemson goes from here. I mean, they're obviously in terms of the college football playoff, you got to think they're done. It would take a lot of chaos for them to even be able to creep back into it. Um, the ACC as a whole is an absolute mystery right now. I mean, NC State looked really, really good last weekend. Um, they could be a dark horse to win the ACC championship this year. They're currently the highest ranked team in the ACC. Um, every other team looks average to below average at best right now it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the ACC but wow this is 
by far the worst conference in college football this year now that Clemson isn't the juggernaut that they have been the last five to six years. Absolutely. And you're talking about NC State. This is an NC State team that two weeks ago lost to Mississippi State 24 to 10 and got completely outplayed in that game. And I know sandwiched in between that game was a 45 nothing win over USF and a 45 7 win over Furman. But I was definitely not expecting the Wolfpack team we got here on Saturday against this good Clemson defense. And Devin Leary, I mean, he's possibly one of the best quarterbacks right now in the country. And I think you could make an argument that's him being the best quarterback playing-wise in the ACC right now. He has already over 1,000 yards passing, 10 touchdowns to just two interceptions. I mean, he, he's looked fantastic, and that was a big performance out of him on Saturday against Clemson. So I definitely agree with you that NC State here, if they can find some consistency, could definitely be a dark horse here to win the ACC. Now, going back to Clemson, you're looking long-term at their season. And like I said, their defense is going to keep them in the games and it's going to allow them to win quite a few games here down the stretch, even if they their offense struggles. They have Boston College this week. That's a, that is a losable game. Boston College is undefeated right now. I know they don't have Phil Jerkovic for the rest of the season, but it's still a very good team. Jeff Halfley, one of the fastest rising stars in college football and coaching circles. He's going to get a nice big job somewhere soon. Syracuse, I mean, I don't think Syracuse will beat Clemson, but this Orange team has definitely improved from the last few years. They beat Liberty this weekend, which was a little bit of a shock. Well, definitely a shocker to me. Uh, But Dino Baber has that program in a solid place it looks. We'll see how it is going forward. Uh, Pitt, I mean, Pitt any given week, you, you don't know what you're going to get. They, they they could beat Clemson. They could beat a good Clemson team any given week, or they could lose to Western Michigan the next week. Uh, but, I mean, Florida State, they should be Florida State, but Louisville, Wake Forest, South Carolina, all games. You look at, I mean, the, the problem is, is if this Clemson off uh, defense gives up more than 24 27 points i i don't think clemson has a chance to win any of these games uh thankfully i don't think their defense thankfully for them i don't think their defense will give up that many points in many of these remaining games but there there's definitely they fall behind two scores or so in some of these games that i don't know if their offense is going to be able to climb out of those holes um so i think an eight i think a nine and three or even an eight and four season is possible and like you said, for the first time in a while, the ACC is completely wide open, and that's not a, a good thing because the entire conference is kind of mediocre and maybe the laughing stock of the Power Five conferences right now. Oh, they're one hundred percent the laughing stock of the Power Five. I mean, every other conference has at least one team ranked in the top ten, and then you have the ACC, whose highest ranked team is at number twenty three. I mean, it it does not look good right now, and. Clemson, you know, if you're an ACC team or a fan of an ACC team, your thought process was, okay, if Clemson can slip, maybe my team can step up. But the problem is every team's been terrible. You've had UNC lose really bad with two really bad losses to start off the year. Uh, Miami has looked pedestrian at best and probably below average. I mean, NC State maybe can step up. Virginia Tech has had some bad losses. Pitt's had some bad losses. There's really no teams that are poised right now to make that next step to uh, try to even compete with Clemson in the ACC. So where does Clemson go from here? I, I, I can see them losing another game. 
Um, that Boston College game this weekend is going to be really interesting to watch. Uh, I think Wake Forest, if they continue their solid play, they could give Clemson a game at the way they're playing. But a part of me feels like they're going to figure out this their offense and, and be able to put some points up. On paper, they shouldn't lose another game, but it would not shock me if they dropped one more and ended up around 9-3. and three. I just can't see them going lower than that with, with their schedule. Yeah, I think 9-3 is probably the, the best case scenario for them, but uh, I mean, or the most likely case scenario for them. And uh, you look at it, and I mean, 9-3 probably doesn't get them into a near six ball. It, it's just going to be weird not to see Clemson playing uh, in January in January in some form uh, before we move off this game two last questions regarding Clemson first what what do the Tigers do going forward here at quarterback I mean DJ Uyangalele has not been good at all this year but I mean you look at their quarterback depth and it's it's not good I mean they got Tyson uh I I am playing on his last name uh unless you got it off the top of your head I think it's Tyson, was it Famachan, something like that? Yeah, I mean, it's even more difficult than Uyangalele. Um, <laughs> but, but what do you do at quarterback if you're Clemson? Because it's you don't, have any, you don't have any depth there that you can turn to and be like, hey, maybe this guy gives us a spark. Uh, I mean, Tyson's 7 for 10 this year, but he, he's played some time in the past and hasn't exactly looked sharp and was a guy that many thought was even going to leave the program this past spring. And didn't. Uh, so, I mean, they're kind of stuck, I guess, with DJ. But, I mean, if he wants to be the starter next year, he has to turn it on, I think, going the rest of the season. Or they're going to be shopping for a quarterback, whether that's, uh, what, Kate Klubinick should be coming in this offseason, correct? Yeah, uh, borderline five-star. It might even be a five-star at this point. He's got talent. So, Kate could be coming in for Clemson this uh, offseason. Or do they go into the transfer portal and try to find somebody? It, it, I think it's definitely a possibility right now, seeing how he's playing. It is. Um, I don't think you give up on DJ just yet. I mean, he was the number two player in the country in the class of 2020. He's still got a crazy good arm. You know, he's. I think he's going to figure it out at some point. And if you're Clemson, you don't just give up on somebody like that because another team would be very happy to take him if they decided to go into another direction. Um but yeah, no, they got to get this thing figured out and fast. And like you said, they don't have any depth at the quarterback position. I mean, they they have they have Tyson. Uh, I forget was Tyson Famachan. I'm probably pronouncing yeah. it very wrong. They have him as the backup right now. He's coming off like an Achilles injury that he miraculously healed from in five months. I don't know what Clemson's doctors got going on, but they got guys healing real quick. And then the guy that was supposed to be the third string, Bubba Chandler, decided to go play baseball for the Pittsburgh Pirates. So they don't really have anybody behind him. Yeah, their their only other guy is uh, Hunter Helms, who's a walk-on. Yeah, they have absolutely no depth behind DJ because he was supposed to be the guy. And I I can't see them changing that up because they don't have any other really solid options right now. So I think you just ride it out and see where it goes. Agreed. All right, and finally with this uh, for Clemson, a quick one here the future of the Clemson program. Do you think this is a blip, just a blip in the, in the timeline for them? Or is this the beginning of, or an omen of things to come for this program? Personally, I feel like it's a blip in terms of Clemson, uh, Clemson's offense being this bad, them struggling this much. I'm not sure Clemson's ever going to be like they were under Watson and Lawrence, because let's be honest, Having two first overall picks as your quarterbacks helps a whole lot there. 
will they get back there? I don't know. Chances are probably not that at that bit that strong. But I mean, I so I get. Let me rephrase this. So I believe this is more so a blip in the radar, though I'm not sure Clemson's ever going to be as dominant as they once were, if that makes sense. What about you? I think we've just gotten so accustomed to Alabama running college football for the last decade that we think every team can do it. What Clemson's done what Clemson's done over the last five years is special. I mean, they've been to what, three was it three or four national championship games? They've won yeah, they've made the playoffs six straight years. Six straight years. Most, you know, that doesn't happen very often for any team, for any dynasty. I mean, Clemson was a dynasty and I think that they're still going to be a playoff team fairly consistently. I don't think this is like the downfall of Clemson. You know, Dabo still recruits incredibly well. That program still sells itself. I think they're going to be fine. But if you're saying, yeah, I, I could see them not making the playoff every single year moving forward, but I think that they're still going to recruit well and, you know, they're going to continue to get five stars at every position. And as long as they can do that, they're going to be in a position in a weak ACC to continuously compete. Agreed. All right, let's move on to our next topic then here. Um, let me bring it up. Uh, here we are, Oklahoma. So uh, the Sooners this season have not looked spectacular really at all. Uh, either their de- defense struggles or then their offense struggles. Uh, more so, it's been the offense this year. Uh, they did win this week. They pulled out a 16-13 win over West Virginia. But, I mean y- – it's just another unimpressive victory for this Oklahoma team. And it's another week that Spencer Rattler has, I mean, for a guy who was deemed, you know, the top prospect in the upcoming NFL driver, top quarterback prospect, uh, the Heisman favorite Aaron in the season, signed a huge endorsement deal coming in this season. Same, same thing with DJ, by the way. DJ signed that huge endorsement deal with Clemson. I mean, with uh, Dr. Pepper, but Rattler signs that endorsement deal. Number one overall pick, Buzz, Heisman Buzz. So far this season, Rattler has been disappointed. He hasn't, he's been solid, but I mean, he's not moving the needle at all in terms of me thinking, oh, this guy's a Heisman contender, or even more so, this is a guy that I want my team drafting potentially with their first overall pick in next year's NFL draft. And as an Eagles fan, I'm looking for quarterbacks. And guess what? This quarterback class sucks but that's another discussion for another day but yeah oklahoma and spencer rattler another uninspiring week to say the least here so i guess to start off anthony do you think this oklahoma team is still a contender for the college football playoffs and i mean what do you make of this oklahoma offense right now you know, the Oklahoma offense is interesting because they're, you know, they're, it's not like Clemson where, like, I mean, obviously they're struggling to put up points against half-decent teams. But, you know, they've still scored 40 points against Tulane. They got 76 points against the Cupcake. But, yeah, the last couple of weeks they've been fairly stagnant against two teams that they probably should have beat fairly easily. You know, West Virginia's a decent team, but they shouldn't be hanging with Oklahoma for four quarters. And uh, same with Nebraska, even, even less so for Nebraska. So... I don't know what to make of Oklahoma right now. I mean, they, they're still winning, and as long as they're still winning, they're going to be in that top six conversation. You know, and looking at their schedule moving forward, you know, they got Texas coming up, Kansas State. Kansas State might be interesting next week because that's always the team that seems to get them year after year. 
It would not shock me at Kansas State if Oklahoma lost that game. I'm not going to pick them to lose, but it wouldn't shock me in the slightest. Then you got the Red River rivalry coming up. TCU, who's looked half decent this year. Uh, Texas Tech, uh, it's probably an easy win. Baylor's looking solid. You know, they've got some tough games coming up, and they're definitely need to figure it out at quarterback. I think Rattler, I trust him to figure it out more than I do DJ right now. Just because, you know, he's still putting up numbers. He's still looking half decent. I think Oklahoma fans are jumping the gun by calling for Caleb Williams in the game last week. But, no, he's definitely got to put it together. And you mentioned the NIL. I don't want to make this jump, but I wonder if these guys are getting a little too cushy with that NIL money. And, uh, you know, it, it's affecting their play on the field a little bit. But that is a topic for another day that we can discuss. Agreed. Uh, for, personally, for me, I, I look at Oklahoma and it's kind of like this Cle- like Clemson thing. We're not used to seeing Clemson offense being bad. We're not used to seeing Oklahoma's offense struggle to put up points and yardage. I mean, you look at this game against West Virginia. Now, West Virginia is a good team, but Oklahoma totaled just 313 total yards in this game. And now you look at their defense and it's much improved. I mean, 226 total yards in that game, uh, given up in the game. But, uh, you look at Oklahoma's offense, and, and they struggled to run the ball. They only got 57 yards and 28 carries, an average of two yards a carry. And then, like I said, with Rattler, just uninspiring, not really moving the needle. Um, and it's not like they don't have talent on that offense. They have a bunch of four- and five-stars all across that offense, especially at wide receiver, but they're lacking explosiveness right now for some reason. And, and I mean – I don't know if it's the play con, play design, rather, but it. I, I think Oklahoma long-term can still be a contender this year, but they're going to need to find an offense quickly here because if they don't, they're going to struggle in the in the Big 12 this year because the Big 12 has actually kind of been quietly a really good conference this year across the board. And there's a lot of teams that if Oklahoma's offense doesn't wake up, can beat this Oklahoma team this year. Um, I mean, it, it just, this Oklahoma team had a lot of hype going into the season, a lot because of Spencer Rattler and what that program has done under Lincoln Riley. But, uh, I, I gotta say, I think they've been the mo- one of the most uninspiring teams all season in the top 10. Uh, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if they go undefeated, but at the same time, if they lose three games, I wouldn't be shocked either. Yeah, um, I, I can't see them losing three games. Um, I still think they're too talented for that. And like I said, I trust Spencer Rattler to to put it together more than I trust DJ Uyangalele right now. But yeah, no, that offense needs to wake up, like you said. And, and if they don't, this Oklahoma team could be in some trouble. And if Oklahoma slips up once or even twice moving forward, that's going to add even more chaos at that top four and make it even more fun. So we'll... uh. We'll see what happens with Oklahoma, but like I said, this watch out for Kansas State this weekend. They always seem to have Oklahoma's number for some reason. Yeah, and uh, I agree. I mean, uh, Scholar Thompson, of course, is out for the season for Kansas State, and with Will Howard, you, I wonder what their ceiling is, but I mean, I think Scholar Thompson was out for that game last year against Oklahoma as well, and Kansas State found a way to win that one. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. Um, so I I, before we move off Oklahoma, I have two questions about Oklahoma. One, right now, do you think Oklahoma is the best team in the Big 12? Because, I mean, I, I'm starting to wonder if perhaps it's 
an Oklahoma State or uh, a Texas right now because I, I, I just I have a lot of questions about this Sooners team, as you can tell. Yeah, I'd still say it's Oklahoma. I'm, I mean, nobody else is like Oklahoma State's a decent team. Baylor's looks solid. Um, I was hoping Iowa State would be that team to compete with them, but they're looking pretty poor right now as well. But I just think you- Oklahoma to such a different standard that when they don't look above and beyond, we start to question them. Sure. Um, I, I think that. I think that they're still the best team. Texas still has their own issues. Texas is still going to lose a game or two the rest of the way that they shouldn't lose. That's what Texas does every year. Um, Most likely. I'd, I'd still say Oklahoma is the best team in the Big 12, and I, I think that they'll be the Big 12 champion again by the end of the year. Sure. And finally, uh, on Saturday against West Virginia, Oklahoma fans could be heard very loudly chanting for Spencer Rattler to be benched and for five-star freshman uh, Caleb Williams to be uh, the quarterback. But uh, that change was not made, and it's not going to be made. I mean, we haven't seen Caleb Williams at all this season. If if we haven't seen him yet in any capacity, I don't think he's going to magically start a game here going forward. That being said, I mean, do you think now that players are being paid, getting these endorsement deals, uh, so on and so forth, that fans are going to be more – uh, likely to not turn on them, but become more in ter- more vocal in terms of their um, their displeasure in their their play play level or success on the field. I mean, they've always been vocal. They have been. <laughs> that's that's but, never. But do you think now that players are possibly being paid? upwards of millions of dollars through endorsement deals that um, that's going to affect people's view on the players on the field. Like a, like a Spencer Rattler, like a DJ Uwe Angelele, uh, so on and so forth. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've seen, I agree it, too. I've seen it so many times on just on social media, you know, that people saying if these guys can get paid professional money, they're going to be treated like professionals. And yep that's fair or not is another discussion but you know these guys are making money now which is good for them they should be able to profit off their their nil but you know that means that you're gonna come gonna have more criticism coming your way you're gonna have less protection in that student athlete bubble and they have to be ready for that and these kids also have to be able to maintain their focus while getting all this money thrown at them yeah you know that's been always the hot topic discussion was is it a smart idea to give 18 to 21 year old kids who don't know how to handle that kind of money, that kind of money. And uh, we're going to find out that answer soon enough. But I wonder if that can be tied to why some of these guys are playing below average. Maybe, you know, they get the paycheck and they kind of rest on their laurels a little bit and, you know, they don't work as hard. I'm not trying to say that they're not hardworking. I'm just saying you never know. It, it could be, it's a theory. Yeah, it's a theory. Absolutely. And I agree with you there. And I mean, you look at some of these endorsement deals early on and they're not working out for those who a lot for those who are endorsing the players. I mean, rather struggling. Um, as we said, struggling, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau out in Oregon has barely played this year because of injuries. Um, and it's not all because, you know, on the field of production, but injuries, so on and so forth. So it's going to be interesting to see how, uh, organizations react to what's happened this year or what may happen this year and how it sets a precedent of, of what to, what's to come in the future in terms of endorsement deals. 
Um, and then the last big, big topic we want to discuss today is obviously uh, the rise of perhaps, Anthony, the third best team in the SEC, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Take, they take down number seven, Texas A&M, this past weekend, 20-10. to 10. Now, Texas A&M uh, has another team that's been uninspiring all season. And without Hayes King, their offense is uh, absolute uh, uh, pathetic, I guess would be the wide word. Um, but Arkansas, yeah, another big win here under Sam Pittman. They're out to a 4-0 start. They went, uh, what, 3-7, and 3-7, I think, last year. Um, so, I mean, he's, he's either inching towards 500 or now at 500 for his career at Arkansas. But, uh, this racers back team is, is looking dangerous. They have a good defense. They have a nice offense there led by KJ Jefferson. And if he can stay healthy, I mean, this is a team that could definitely, uh, beat most of the teams on their schedule, maybe not Alabama or Georgia, but, I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they gave Georgia a run for their money this upcoming week. Well, but that's a discussion for another time. But Arkansas has taken a, a big step forward this year, and uh, this was a big signature win for Sam Pittman and the Razorbacks. Arkansas is an amazing case of a team that is just winning based off of a culture change and coaching philosophy. Sam Pittman has done an incredible job with that program. He's won over that locker room in just – one and a half years he's been able to install his culture there he's got his guys playing for each other playing for the team it's and they haven't added anybody spectacular it's not like the talent has greatly increased from last year they've just bought into what sam Pittman is is selling to the program and the coaching staff is doing a phenomenal job of scheming around the guys that they have and uh, it's really awesome to see Arkansas having this great bounce back season. They've got some really impressive wins. I'm hoping they can keep it up moving forward. Are they truly the third best team in the SEC? And eh, it's debatable. I, I think Florida probably is still the third best team in the SEC. And we'll realize that at the end of the day. And I think they're kind of tied for fourth right now with Ole Miss in my mind. But I'm loving what I'm seeing from Arkansas. I hope they give Georgia a run for their money in this game. And I really think that this this game against Georgia is a true test of what this Arkansas team really is. Yeah, I agree with that too. And uh, obviously, we'll uh, on the podcast preview that game more so in the next episode. But uh, just briefly on that, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Arkansas stays within 10, 13 points of Georgia the entire time or even lower. But I also wouldn't be shocked if Georgia goes out there and obliterates Arkansas either. I mean, because uh, I think Georgia right now actually may be the best team in the country. They look the most complete at this moment. But we're going to debate that the rest of the season until the SEC championship game. Uh, but in terms of Arkansas overall, in ter- I-, I think they probably stand around the I think they have an argument for the third best team. I think if they played Florida on a neutral field. It would be it would be a very close game, and I, I, it would be a coin flip because I'm not a huge believer in Emory Jones just yet. Um, but like you said, this this season is a testament so far to Sam Pittman and the culture he's installed in that program. Um, I mean, everybody thought that was a joke of a hire when he got hired there, including us. And we've been proven dead wrong. And 
and I'm okay with that because he's just done a phenomenal coaching job and it's one of the best coaching jobs you will we we have seen in the last decade of college football. And a lot of people thought that was going to be a multi-year turnaround there in Fayetteville, and it hasn't been. And like I said, that's a testament to Sam Pittman, what he's been able to do. Um, I guess my other two questions here is, do we think Arkansas is for real? I mean, do we think this Arkansas team can go 10-2, and two, or do we think that they're sealing right, or their more likely scenario maybe is an 8-4? and four? Because the SEC, yes, they're better than probably most of the teams on their schedule, except Alabama, Georgia. But it's hard not to trip up against some of these opponents, an LSU, an Auburn, um, an Ole Miss. I mean, I don't know if they can keep up with Ole Miss's offense. So while I think 10-2 and two is a potential scenario for Arkansas, I still think an 8-4 and four season is, is maybe most likely or – nine and three. And that's nothing to take away from this program. This program is definitely heading in the right direction. I just don't know if they're at the spot they need to be right now in terms of uh, me believing that they're not going to maybe trip up somewhere here down the road. If that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. Um, listen, even if they end up going eight and four and nine and three, that's still a tremendous improvement over where they've been the last five years. Absolutely. Absolutely. That would be it. Still a tremendous coaching job by Sam Pittman. Oh, absolutely, 100%. I'm looking at the rest of their schedule. You know, they got Georgia coming up. That's going to be a huge test for them. After that, they got Ole Miss. Another game at Ole Miss that I think is going to be a big test. And then they got Auburn, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, Mississippi State. I can see them winning all three of those. LSU, probably more of a toss-up, but I think they're better than LSU, so I think Arkansas could win that one. Bama, it's probably a loss. And then Missouri. I can see this team going nine and three very easily. Uh, ten and t- ten and two is the ceiling if they can win win out against everyone but Georgia and Bama. But I feel like nine and three is probably the most realistic at the moment, and that would be a tremendous job by Sam Pittman if he can make that happen. I will full heartedly agree. Um, so I guess with that, that kind of takes up our big three in terms of talking points here. Uh, let's go through the rest of the top twenty five here and look at some of the scores. Uh, if you have any comment, just feel free to blurt it out. Uh, keep it slow and quick here. Uh, or, sorry, qu- <laughs> keep slow and quick. Slow and quick. Wow, that's not that's not confusing at all. Can you tell I'm tired? Uh, no, no, just keep it uh, small and quick uh, if with any thoughts. Uh, uh, number one, Alabama took care of business against Southern Miss, 63-14. They, they went out and did what they had to do. Number two, Georgia gave Vanderbilt, I think, their worst beatdown in school history, 62 nothing. That was a game I think Georgia probably could have legitimately won, like, 100 to nothing. Vanderbilt's such a bad team. Um, number three, Oregon defeated Arizona 41-19, but this was a game that Oregon, I think, used 17 fourth-quarter points to pull away. Um, that's another thing, uh, quickly, with Oregon. Mario Cristobal, his team is always up for the big games but they really seem to sleepwalk themselves during these games against opponents they should wipe the floor with, including this past week against Arizona. Um, and, and they just got to be careful because one of these days they're going to get tripped up if they're not careful. Yeah, no, Oregon is a team that I'm still very much up in the air on. Obviously that win at Columbus against Ohio State is a massive win and it's going to look fantastic on their strength of schedule regardless 
But they, they need to win the games that they're supposed to win if they want to get to the playoff. The Pac-12 is still not a strong conference. And if they slip up more than one time, they're going to have no chance to get in the playoffs. So, you know, Oregon better be careful moving forward. Yep. Number five, Iowa took down Colorado State 24-14. This was a game that Iowa was actually losing 14-7, I think, at one point. Uh, but they have a very good defense and offense. Um, not very good still. Um, they're going to have issues against some of the better teams on their schedule, a la Penn State-type uh, team. Uh, I've, I'm not sure who else is on their schedule this year uh, off the top of my head. But I think Penn State's going to be a real challenge for them because Penn State can score, and Penn State has a good defense. Um, if Iowa gets in any type of hole uh, against a team, they're, I mean, more than a touchdown, they're, they're real in real trouble because they just can't move the ball efficiently for long stretches of time. Um, number six, Penn State took down Villanova 38-17. Not a very uh, – it wasn't a game that you saw a lot of Penn State that you liked, but uh, compared to a lot of teams, they kind of just took care of business this week um, and never really, never were really in any scenario that they were going to uh, lose or have a chance to lose. But that's that. Um, number 10, Ohio State took down Akron 59-7. Uh, Kyle McCord, the true freshman quarterback, former five-star, got the start here. C.J. Stroud was uh, out uh, due to shoulder soreness, or they wanted to rest his shoulder. McCord looked good, earned, I think, Big Ten Freshman Player of the Week honors for his performance. Um, we'll see what that quarterback situation is going forward. A lot of Ohio State fans don't think Stroud is necessarily the guy. Um, I don't necessarily think Stroud is the guy, but at the same time, I'm not sure if I'm Ohio State. I'm trusting a true freshman uh, for the remainder of the season when you still have potential to make a college football playoff run. Any yeah. thoughts on any of those games? Um, not not really. Penn State, obviously, they kind of just slept walk throughout that game. I was keeping on track of most of it. Um, didn't really do anything spectacular. The passing game was phenomenal. Clifford went over 400 yards for the first time ever. But yeah. It was actually second most uh, passing yards in Penn State history. And the most in Penn State history uh, – while playing in North America, because the uh, record is held uh, by Christian Hackenberg when he when the Nittany Lions played a uh, UCF in Ireland back in like 2014. Yeah, so you know, good good game for the passing game. Running game was horrible, but overall, that, um, that is worth knowing. Penn State's going to have to figure out that run game, where they're they're similarly going to have issues going down the stretch because uh, Iowa can't play the run uh, very well, um, and if teams don't have to worry about playing the run. They're going to go all out and stop in this Penn State pa- uh, passing attack, which has been dangerous this year, but as you are saying. Yeah, no, if, if Penn State and Iowa get past uh, their games this weekend and they face off next week, that's going to be a really fun game. Two teams that aren't perfect right now, or they yeah. are in terms of record, but they have holes, you know, they have weaknesses, and they can kind of collide and uh, see which team comes out on top. That team could have the inside track towards the Big Ten Championship. So that could be a real, that's going to be a really fun matchup if both teams come out unscathed this weekend. Absolutely. Uh, number one, Florida defeated Tennessee 38-14. Uh, Emory Jones did look solid in this one. Tennessee uh, just doesn't have what it takes right now to compete against a team like Florida. Uh, the Gators, that's a nice bounce back win after narrowly uh, – losing to Alabama the week before. Um, yeah, so uh, it was a solid game, I think, out of the Gators overall there. Um, but nothing too spectacular. Uh, Notre Dame took down – number 12, Notre Dame defeated number 18, Wisconsin, 41-13. This game 
wasn't as big of a blowout as the score indicated. Notre Dame uh, took advantage of uh, a kickoff return for a touchdown by Chris Tyree in the fourth quarter, and then two pick sixes within a five-minute stretch, or less than a five-minute stretch, uh, to really blow this one wide open. Um, my quick thoughts on this one is uh, start with Wisconsin. Graham Mertz may be worse than every other Wisconsin quarterback over the last five years, which is uh, kind of amazing to say because Wisconsin has had some pretty mediocre quarterback play, including now Notre Dame starting quarterback and Jack Cohn. Uh, Jack Cohn did go down with an injury in this one. Uh, Drew Pine came in for relief, looked solid. Um, but yeah, going back to Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin, I mean, they are who we thought they were. They're not a very good they're not a very good offense. They're a team that if they need to go into a shootout type game, they're going to lose. Um, and you wonder if they have to start considering making some changes to their offensive philosophy going forward. Not this year, but 2022 and beyond, because I, I don't think they, they're ever going to win anything of importance with their current philosophy on offense. Yeah, no, I actually watched the entirety of the Notre Dame Wisconsin game. And uh, it was close for a while. I mean, neither team could get anything going on offense till like the late third quarter. It was like ten to ten going, you know, into the fourth or something like that. Really close. And then Notre Dame just broke it wide open because, well, obviously the kick return was huge. And then also Graham Mertz decided to piss down his leg repeatedly in the fourth quarter. It was honestly, it was kind of funny. I feel really bad saying that, but Graham Mertz was bad. I mean, yeah. Really, really bad. Five. What was it? Five turnovers in this game. Four turnovers in this game. Four was, interceptions. I don't know if he fumbled at all, but yeah, he, he had a fumble. He did have a fumble because I didn't watch a ton of this game live. But the three or four times I turned into this game, uh, one was his fumble, and the other, and two of them were his interceptions. Yeah, those. So two, every time I almost tuned in, he he turned over the ball. You said five minutes span. Those two interceptions were on back to back throws. I mean, it was like, yeah. it was immediate. Yeah. I mean, it was like Notre Dame. In the play. If, if you went to the bathroom for more than five minutes during that stretch, Notre Dame was up by three scores already. And you were like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. I mean, Graham Mertz has one touchdown to six interceptions this year. I mean, Wisconsin has to make a change at quarterback. I mean, with everybody else so far, I've been like, no, you got to stick with them, see what happens, ride it out. Graham Mertz, you got to sit him. I mean, he's just yeah. been, those guys have just been average. Graham Mertz has been terrible. He has been. And, and the, the problem, I think, ultimately with the Wisconsin's offense is there's nobody on that offense that scares you. There's no guy in the receiving game that's explosive enough to beat you consistently. And Malusi's been a solid running back this year, but he's no Jonathan Taylor or any of the running backs of Wisconsin past. Yeah, no, that's the problem, too. Like I was going to say, they don't have that like scary running back threat that they've had the last decade plus. Where's so- Jalen Berger? That's a great question. I thought he was supposed to be that next guy up. And I he looked solid last year. He did look good. I don't know if he's hurt right now or if, like, Malusi's just a better player. But, I mean, Malusi's been decent. Don't get me wrong. But, nah, the Wisconsin's got a lot to figure out because they got Michigan coming up this this weekend. And yeah. Michigan has looked a lot better than we thought. So, I mean, Wisconsin's in trouble. This is a – I mean, this is a Wisconsin team – uh, that I think we, you look, uh, I'm pulling up their schedule here and I know we wanted the, some of these to go quickly, but Wisconsin is worth talking about a little bit more in depth. Uh, they got Michigan this week. Uh, right now I have Michigan winning that game. Uh, they have Illinois next week. Uh, I, I would expect Wisconsin to win that, but with Wisconsin offense, 
it's kind of like Clemson's offense. If they get into a hole, I don't know if I trust this Wisconsin offense to make any type of sustained push in terms of being able to make a run at winning a game when come from behind. Uh, Army is a game that, I mean, when be an interesting one. you go up against a triple option, anything can happen. Yeah, um, it's going to be an interesting game. I'm, I'm per, looking forward to that one. Purdue is a game they could lose. Iowa is a game they can lose. Rutgers is a game they can lose this year. Rutgers is very much improved. Uh, Northwestern, probably not a game they would lose, but Northwestern is one of those teams that when they're in a down year, they're going to go 3-9, but they're going to get some weird-ass weird, weird ass win in the middle of the season that makes you wonder how. Though I don't know if that Wisconsin team right now would make you question how. Uh, Nebraska is a game they can lose, and Minnesota is a game. I mean, they can I can see a scenario in where they lose. They have a avenue of losing each game in the remainder of their schedule. Now, I don't think they will, but at one and two, if they finish six and six, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, no, I think I think them losing every game the rest of the way is a gross overreaction. It, no, that would not happen. But there's an avenue for them to lose in almost any of these games. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, I think eight and four is probably realistic. Seven and five, I think, is also realistic. I think, like I said, this this offense can't figure it out. The defense can be as good as it wants, but they're going to struggle. Absolutely. I just think it would just be perfectly full circle if Graham Mertz came out against Illinois and just lit it up. And then stunk it up again against Army. It's like he can only compete against Illinois. That would just be the funniest thing to me. That would be that would be a little bit hilarious. All right, uh, another upset here: Baylor, the undefeated Baylor Bears, take down Iowa State thirty-one twenty-nine. This was a game that Iowa State should have won, probably, uh, but they, they, they just Iowa State kind of stinks this year, man. They're a disappointment. I was so high on them. I really wanted them to be good. I love Matt Campbell. They've they just been a disappointment. That's all I've got to say about them. They have been. To a point, man, uh, Marty both believed that Iowa State was going to have a little bit of a downfall this year just because last year was a perfect storm almost, and it was going to be hard to replicate kind of like Indiana. But, I mean, Brock Purdy this year, four touchdowns and five, and two, four interceptions. Uh, Brees Hall has been solid, but – this Iowa team just overall has gone in their way so much this year. And that was another case uh, this weekend, but Baylor, Baylor's a team you have to watch out for in this big 12. They they're I mean, they're undefeated and I think they're going to, they have the ability to beat almost anybody on their schedule. Yeah. No, um, number interesting to watch. It's going to be a, Baylor's going to be a fun uh, team to watch the rest of the year. Number 15 BYU took down South Florida, 35-27. I feel like this is a game that BYU probably slept walk a little bit. Should have been a game that they easily won, uh, but they held on for 35-27 win. Coastal Carolina had one of the more convincing and easy wins of the weekend. Uh, taking down or defeating UMass 53-3. UMass obviously one of the worst teams in the country. Number 19, Michigan. Uh, a lot of people thought they were going to have their way with Rutgers to a point, but this Rutgers defense shut down the Michigan uh run game, which we haven't seen yet this year, which makes you question the Michigan run game going forward against uh, solid defenses. Uh, Michigan here, solid win, but I, I leave with a lot of questions about Michigan. While on Rutgers, I look at that team, and I'm like, this team's much improved, and they could play spoiler for a team here down the stretch as well. They're going to play a lot of teams tough. I don't know if they're going to have any surprise upsets, but they're going to 
they're going to be a hard out, as uh, they like to say in baseball. Um, number 20, Michigan State defeated Nebraska 23-20. Michigan State probably should have won this game by multiple scores, but they couldn't do anything in the second half and narrowly lost, uh, narrowly won this one over Nebraska. Got a little bit lucky there. Uh, 4-0, though, for Mel Tucker's program. Uh, like I said before, having a full off season for him has been – uh, hugely beneficial, and Michigan State's, uh, like Rutgers, a very much improved team. Uh, I don't know if they're good enough to beat a Michigan, a Penn State, or a Ohio State, but they're a good team this year, in my mind. Yeah, Michigan State, one of the pleasant surprises this year in college football. I don't think anybody expected them to be 4-0 right now. And I looked at their schedule. There's an avenue for them to be 8-0 going into the Michigan game. That would be something. So... I think that this team, if they just keep it up, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. They've been impressive, and I, I, they've been a, a big shock to me for sure. All others upset that we briefly mentioned at the top, but didn't talk about Georgia Tech dominates North, number twenty-one North Carolina forty-five twenty-two. This may have been Jeff Sims coming out game nationally. Uh, he wasn't perfect, but man, Jeff Sims. If he ever puts it all together, this kid is going to be a sight to behold and he's going to be fun to watch. He's already fun to watch. But big win for Jeff Collins, big win for that Georgia Tech program that's been looking for a big win since Jeff Collins has taken over. They finally get it this week, this past week against North Carolina. Uh, and like we said, I think we said earlier, this loss basically eliminates the ACC from playoff contention. Nobody else is going to get into that spot, I think. And, uh, uh, so, yeah, I mean, big one for uh, Georgia Tech. If you're North Carolina, you're picking out the pieces from what was thought to be a promising season to now, uh, hoping that you can maybe salvage a New York Six Bowl. Yeah, I mean, Sam Howell has been such a disappointment this year. We all thought he was going to, you know, much like some other quarterbacks, we all thought he was going to be a Heisman contender. Uh, we all thought he was going to be, you know, a top five draft pick and, he might still be, you never know, but I mean it's been it's been very disappointing for some of the top quarterbacks in college football and Sam Howell is no different. We all thought maybe this was the year UNC finally took that step. It felt like they had, you know, they had the elite quarterback and when you have that, you have you can have holes anywhere else and still be able to make it work. Uh clearly that's not the case. And uh yeah, um UNC still got a long way to go and you know, you don't have a lot of time with Mac Brown as your coach. So, we'll see what happens. On Friday night, number 22, Fresno State held off what would have been one of the biggest shocking upsets in a long time, holding off UNLV 38-30. Um, uh, back to Saturday, number 23, Auburn takes down Georgia State 34-24. Partially thanks to the refs here, um, Auburn got lucky here. Bo Nix did leave uh, injured. TJ Finley came in, looked solid and relief. I'm not sure if Finley's going to start this weekend against LSU. Uh, well, I'll have to look into that one for the preview. Um, number 24, UCLA beat Stanford 35-24. Uh, and then Oklahoma State with a nice convincing win over number 25, Kansas State 31-20. Kansas State just doesn't have as much firepower as you would like without Skylar Thompson, a quarterback. But they do have a good – they have a quality defense, and they're a team that has beat Oklahoma two seasons in a row now and uh, will be looking for a third straight win this upcoming weekend against Oklahoma. Uh, any thoughts on those other games, Anthony? 
Yeah, no, Auburn threatening to undo all of Penn State's strength of schedule this weekend uh, by almost losing to Georgia State. That was a little too close for comfort if you're an Auburn fan. Um, and if you're a Penn State fan at this point, too, because you want Auburn to be decent the rest of the year. But, um, yeah, they have a quarterback controversy on their hands now, don't they? They do. EJ Finley came in, looked really good. Bo Nix looked really pedestrian as usual. And, um, yeah, I think if you're Auburn, you got to go with Finley this weekend. Fun little plot story, a little plot line. Uh, LSU was the team he transferred from. So, yeah, full circle for TJ Finley this weekend. But uh, I think if you're Auburn, you got to go with him and see what you got. I mean, you could always go back to Knicks later. Maybe a benching wakes him up a little bit, too. But yeah. I think Finley's got to be the guy. I agree. Uh, some non top 25 scores, uh, quickly. Appalachian State Marshall had one of the best games of the season so far on Thursday night. App State 130, 130 in the final minutes. Um, that was a nice, solid game. Uh, Syracuse on Friday night upset Liberty 30, I mean 24 21. Malik Willis was solid 14 for 19, 205 and three touchdowns plus 49 yards on the ground. But this Syracuse team out of nowhere has really become a solid team this year. Three and one. We'll see if they're able to keep it up. Um, LSU got revenge on Mississippi State from last year. A 28-25 win. Shows you how far that LSU defense has come in a year. Boston College got, is 4-0 now. 41-34 win over Missouri. Um, oh, here, worst loss of the season goes to Minnesota, losing to Bowling Green 14-10. Uh, I mean, just bad coaching here. Bad play by Tanner Morgan. Uh, just a Baffling loss by Minnesota, and one that is going to be hard to li- uh, live down. Uh, SMU took down TCU 42-34. Uh, Watch out for SMU to be one of those G5 schools here that push for a New Year's Six uh, berth. Um, they're they're undefeated so far this year, and that's a big win uh, for the um, – uh, what is their trophy? Oh, am I blanking on their trophy name? Darren Skittle? What are you talking about? SMU TCU. Oh, I don't, I don't, I didn't know that had a trophy. Yeah, the, the Iron Skillet, Iron Skillet. I didn't know that game had a trophy, so that's a fun. It did. Uh, Texas put up a seventy burger against Texas Tech. Uh, Texas Tech was off to a good start. Not exactly what they wanted to see against Texas, but uh, I think, I think both, I think Texas. This is a kind of a statement game saying, hey, we may have lost Arkansas, but we look at Arkansas now, and Arkansas is a borderline top 10, maybe even more team. I mean, you can make an argument that Arkansas is a should be a top 10, top 5 team based off their wins. Yeah, not to mention, this Texas offense looks completely revamped under Casey Thompson at quarterback. It does. They made the switch from Hudson Card, and Hudson Card was okay, but... Casey Thompson has been phenomenal. He was phenomenal against Texas Tech this weekend. Five touchdowns and 300 yards passing. I mean, Bijan Robinson has looked phenomenal as he's probably one of, if not the best running back in the entire country. Um, you know, this Texas team looks very different right now, and they, they look hot. You know, Sark's got this offense rolling, and, you know, they could be a team in the Big 12 to watch moving forward. Oklahoma's in two weeks, and they don't have an offense. Uh, agreed. Um Moving on, where was I here? Oh, UTSA got a big win over Memphis, 31-28. You look at UTSA's remaining schedule, and you have to wonder if UTSA is going to lose a game this year. Uh, so that's cool to see, especially since Sierra McCormick, one of my favorite players in the country, 
Louisville defeated Florida 31-23. You're starting to wonder, is Florida State going to win a game this year? I was literally just about to bring that up. From a team that might not lose a game the rest of the year to a team that might not win the game the rest of the year. Florida State is bad, man. They're a, they are in absolute shambles. Uh, this is rock bottom for this program as far as I'm concerned. I mean, they have Syracuse this week, and they have UMass in two weeks. But, I mean, if they only went 1-11, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be either. How the hell are they four-and-a-half-point favorites against Syracuse? It has to be Tick comes down to talent. I, I guess, but Syracuse has actually looked decent. and Florida State is not at all. Yeah, no, I would take Syracuse in that one. Heavy. Heavy on Syracuse in that game. Going through the rest of the scores, Kentucky 16-10 win over South Carolina. Um, Kentucky's off to a 4-0 start. Another win, they could be into the top 25, but they do have Florida this week, so I mean, if they do upset Florida... They're going to enter the top 25. Uh, Will Levis, though, did look um, like the Will Levis we saw at Penn State. Uh, 15 for 22, 102 yards, uh, one interception, plus 30 yards on the ground. Sounds familiar. Yeah, no, um, offense, no offense to Will Levis, but um, those those Joe Burrow uh, comparisons that he was getting at the beginning of the year, I think we all knew they were a little grossly overstated. A little premature. Um, just, just a lot of it premature. Just a lot of it. And then I guess the uh, last two, Indiana barely hung on against Western Kentucky. I mean, the Hoosiers, uh, I don't want to say a fall from grace, but I expect them to take a step back, but they've taken a huge step back this year and uh, just a little shocking to see. And then Oregon State takes down USC 45-27. Oregon State out to a a nice uh, 3-1 start this season. And, um, they're a team that I that Oregon has to be careful with, and the remain everybody in the Pac-12 has to be careful with because this is a team that can definitely knock off a um any anybody on their schedule. Yeah, no, definitely. Oregon State is definitely uh, a team that can play spoiler, especially for a team like Oregon because they beat Oregon last year. But yeah. uh, I think it's safe to say for USC that uh this is officially a lost season. The bottom has fallen out. Obviously, once they got rid of their head coach, usually that means it's a lost season. But you know, I think I think it's officially uh, officially done at this point for the Trojans. Agreed. And then the last thing before we wrap this up and head off into our normal lives, Anthony, we sit here week four and a week four entering week five. Who's the third? Who who's the third best team in the country? We know who number one and number two is. It's Alabama, Georgia, Georgia, Alabama, either one. But who's number three? Because I feel three through five, three through ten is wide open. And for once, I feel like who's going to be the number three and number four teams in the playoff is going to come right down to the end of the season. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm 100% agree with you. I mean, obviously, Oregon holds the ranking right now. They don't feel like the number three team in the country. Penn State, you know, does not feel like a number four team as, as good as they've been over some decent competition. Iowa does not feel like the number five team. I mean, I could go down the list. I mean, it's just it, it, Oklahoma doesn't feel like the number six team in the country right now. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be a roller coaster the rest of the year because those normal blue bloods either don't look like blue bloods right now or they've fallen off a little bit, which makes it fun, but it also makes it confusing to try to talk about. So I guess Oregon, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's either Oregon or Penn State. 
I mean, but Pence, neither one has been perfect this year. And nobody's been perfect this year except Georgia. I, I, I mean, yeah. even Alabama's had struggles at times. Yeah, no, Bama, Florida made Bama look human. I mean, and that's not easy to do. So Florida lost that game, and some people had them rising in the rankings. That's yeah. that's how impressive that loss was. An argument could yeah. be made that they should have won that game. I mean, I mean, Florida has the best loss of anybody in the country. 100%. 100%. It's very rare that you can lose, and some people say, yeah, no, actually, I think you should go up a couple spots. So I agree. So, yeah, that, Georgia has yeah. phenomenal um, – Georgia is a team that uh, looks kind of invincible at the moment, but they always have that one hurdle that they can never cross, and that is Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Could this finally be the year they get it done? We'll have to wait and find out. Uh, But with that, I guess we can uh, wrap this up. So thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the College Football 365 podcast. Uh, If you are a listener to us and you've listened to us before and continue to do so, and you haven't done so already, please go on to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and follow us at collegefb underscore 365. Be sure to follow us on there. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We are hoping to get all our podcasts soon onto YouTube, and perhaps we'll start doing some YouTube Live-related stuff going forward as well. Um, but, yeah, be sure to follow us on all our social medias. They're all the same, at collegefb underscore 365. You can follow me at Dylan CC Sports. Anthony, where can they follow you? Uh, they can follow me at a underscore Hazan fifty one. On All right, and like I said, please leave a review, uh, share the podcast if you're a college football fan with all your other college football fan lovers. Uh, we want to spread the word about the podcast because we want to get more listeners like you uh, to tune in. And uh, yeah, we're we're growing a nice little uh, listenership base here, and we want to continue doing so. Um, uh, besides that, I guess that wraps it up. We'll be back again in just in probably a day or so with our week five preview. Uh, you'll hear me with Marty in that one. Uh, but, uh, but you will not probably hear Anthony until maybe, maybe you'll hear him in the week five recap. Uh, it depends how his med school stuff goes, but, uh, until then, uh, we'll see, we'll talk to you guys later and, uh, enjoy, uh, the rest of your week as we ramp up into week five. Yeah.